Footy is back. Well, kind of. Our first taste of footy in 2019 is in the bag, and our teams and brains are officially scrambled with stats. I'm your host, Migs, and this is episode 6 of the FanPod 40 podcast, where this week I'll be wrapping up all the happenings in week 1 of the JLT Community Series. The JLT Series can be a confusing time for us coaches. On the one hand, we've selected our initial teams based on months of hard work and research, to then have those same selections all of a sudden become clouded in doubt as our players don't perform to how we think they should after one game. Then, on the other hand, our pre-season players go and dominate to have us worried about other coaches nabbing our players of difference after all that faith and research we put in to select them in the first place. How dare they? It's a tough gig this time of year for all fantasy coaches, to say the least. The best thing to do is back in your research and your players and then only move them if absolutely necessary. Elites will be elites, mid-prices will be hit and miss, but it's the rookies we really need to hone in on during these games. And there were plenty that caught the eye over the weekend who could feature in round one. I was fortunate enough to catch basically every game over the weekend, which I can thank KO Sport app for. Just quietly, it's flat out the best thing to ever happen for Australian sport enthusiasts. Anyhow... I took a good look over the stats and factored in the all-important time on ground, which is crucial while coaches are easing players back into games this time of the year. I'll take you through four categories rather than break down every single game. Starting with the rookies, then I'll go through the mid-prices, followed by the elites, which grabbed my attention, and lastly, some of the players that we may have initially had penciled in for our teams, but perhaps underperformed or witnessed a role change that didn't sit well with their fantasy game. I'll call these guys the second thought group. So let's step into it and crunch some stats, shall we? So I'm going to start off with the rookies here, and these are rookies under 200k. All right, so there's some rookies, obviously, that are over that 200k, your Sam Walsh's, uh, these types of guys, but... I'm just going to focus in on the blokes who are under 200k, those uh, basement price type rookies that we love to have in our teams to save a few extra dollars. And my first one I really liked was Charlie Constable. So Geelong player playing through the midfield. I've talked about him previously uh, in the rookie podcast before. He's a big lad, uh, big bull, tall, uh, and likes to get in and under with contested possessions. And he ended up with 26 touches, four marks, four tackles, and 90 fantasy points over the weekend from just 71% time on ground. So he's efficient. He knows how to get it done. I see him as a, a better version of George Hall and Smith. So he looks, he looks like he's got better skills, uh, a little bit more polished with the ball, and just makes better decisions. I saw on the weekend as well that possibly the way he could fit into that midfield is with what they were doing with Selwood. So there was, uh, there was a lot of time there with, uh, with Joel Selwood played that role on the wing uh, between the 50s. He was going up and down. So perhaps they've sort of said, you know, your body's battered enough, uh, Joel, so we might put you out on a wing and try and get you a few more uncontested possessions while these young bulls coming through uh, can play the, the contested ball, which he, he did perfectly fine. So 
that's how I see him possibly fitting in with Dangerfield uh, in the midfield there as well, and and uh, and Mitch Duncan and and um, and Guthrie as well played a lot through the midfield also and got a heap of uh, heap of clearances. I think he ended up with seven clearances. Did uh, the Cam Guthrie? Um, then again, he could be that that option off the bench as well for Geelong um, also. So he might just give a chop out to some of those uh, Geelong midfielders. And yeah, he won a heap of contested ball, which um, which is always which is always nice, meaning that he doesn't always have to rely on on players getting him the ball. Um, the next one I liked there was from Hawthorne, and they dished out a heap of rookies over the weekend and and played a bit of an undermanned uh, team, particularly through the midfield, without Shields and uh, and and Jager in there as well. So I like the looks of Harrison Jones as a defender. And he was playing a bit of a, a running defender role there in the back line. And he ended up with a stat line of 21 disposals, uh, six marks, four tackles, and 79 fantasy points from 79% time on ground, which was nice. He was number seven in the rookie draft last year. And he's a good size for that uh, type of defender at 185 centimetres, just over 80 kilos as well. He he rebounded uh, out of 55 times, which was the most for the Hawks as well. And I could possibly see him taking that Jure role now that he's gone. And while Birchall's still out of the team and, and uh, clouded in, in terms of his return, uh, he could possibly take that, that role as well. So uh, he wasn't on my radar before the weekend at all, I must admit, but uh, he's definitely there now. And as a defender, it's, it's even uh, nicer. So because there were a few uh, rookie defenders who, who underperformed on the weekend, and their round one is a bit up in the air. So if he comes through, that would be nice. Uh, the third one I liked was Noah Bolter, the Bolt, from Richmond. And he's listed, listed as a forward in AFL Fantasy. And he ended up with 18 disposals, 6 marks, 3 tackles, and 98 fantasy points, just under the ton there. And he's a big lad of a kid, big solid unit. And he can move as well. He's very mobile. They actually used him in uh, the ruck a little bit also. And he was taking a few uh, forward uh, ruck contests. He ended up with seven hitouts, which propped up his score nicely there. So um, they might be thinking about him um, using him as the backup ruck, uh, potentially Richmond, instead of, uh, instead of Grigg, which I never thought was a good idea in the first place. But yeah, he might be the backup there to to Nane Curvis, and he did a he did a good job on the weekend of it. He plays seventy nine percent time on ground, and look, he he his, his problem is how, how he's going to fit in with with Lynch and and Rewalt in that uh, in that forward line. So he could play, be that third tool, and and possibly give that chop out to uh, to Nane Curvis. So. Um, instead of Lynch giving him giving him the chop out and just leave Lynchy down down forward, which would be good to see. Um, and he, he because he is quite mobile and moves well. As also, they might want to play that two prong forward line with all those smalls they've got down in the forward line as well, crumbing down from the big blokes and possibly use him as as the lead up forward, uh, like a link player, like a like a Lynch from Adelaide. Um, also, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, First of all, if he gets picked for, for next week and how he goes next week as well, because it was a good start for, uh, for Bolter. Uh, the fourth one I liked there uh, was Will Golds, another one of those young uh, midfield types from Hawthorne that they rolled out over the weekend. And 
He's a little bit different uh, to Harry Jones there. He's a, he's a mid-only in AFL Fantasy, and he ended up with a stat line of 25 disposals, two marks, just the one tackle, and 67 uh, AFL Fantasy points. He ended up with 80% time on ground as well. He was a rookie pick number 30. He's only a slight build, so he's more of an endurance type that'll uh, float up and down the wings, which is, I, I guess, Hawthorne have a few of those already with, with uh, Smith uh, being the front runner, I guess, for that type of position. But, you know, he could always use the help. Now that Titchell's out, they might want to use Smith a bit more in the midfield, uh, potentially a bit more contestable, because he is a strong body, Isaac Smith. So, I don't know, they might want to put somebody in like goals to, to fill that wing position while Smith does that for a while. Uh, he did, uh, he, well, he can play off the halfback line as well, and he, and he did that through the VFL um, also. And uh, he had a good balance on the weekend. He ended up with uh, 10 uncontested, 16 contested possessions. So he does have a bit of a game about him, good balance game. But on the flip side of that, I think there's only really one, potentially two of these types of blokes who could uh, crack into that Hawthorne midfield. Uh, as I said, there are still Hawthorne mids to come back. Um, and and look, even though he's performing well now, he might be a a, a, um, a potential downgrade option uh, later on in the season if they give him a chance there. But at the moment, I can't see him starting the year uh, with with all those midfielders to come back still. So he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely a watch for me. And look, they... They, they rolled out a team that wasn't that flash horse on on the weekend and he still racked up 25 disposals. It just shows that if he's given the opportunity, he can perform at that level. So, um, but I think there's a couple in front of him uh, to take that role before he does. So, but, but it was nice to see anyway. Um, and my last one there I wanted to talk about was, was Francis Watson from West Coast and he's listed as a defender for AFL Fantasy. Um, he had a really nice game. He ended up with 17 touches, three marks, a huge 10 tackles, and 95 uh, fantasy points in 79% time on ground. And he looked really comfortable down in that back line. Uh, he's a mid-sized defender. He's a little bit like your Tom Cole type, which West Coast have already got down there. And that's sort of what I'm worried about is who comes out of that back six uh, for West Coast for him to have a shot. So it's a really solid back six, as we know, that West Coast have back there. The only thing I could see potentially happening and did happen a bit on the weekend was Liam Duggan pushed up the ground a bit more. Now, Liam Duggan was recruited as a pure midfielder when he came to West Coast, and he does have ball-winning ability. He's obviously been used in the back line um, since he's come to the club, basically. He's never really had or threatened a, a breakout season. Uh, because they have had sort of a strong midfield West Coast for a long time. Um, but if he does push up the ground, there might be a spot there, uh, potentially for Francis Watson. And with that type of uh, closing speed he's got uh, and that tackling pressure down back, um, yeah, he, he's every chance to potentially crack the, the best 22. But again, it'll, it'll have to be a wait and see. But he's 170k based on price. And if we can get more of those guys in that back line, uh, that's, um, that's even better. Uh, a couple of notables that I also uh, liked, which I won't go into too much detail with, was Michael Gibbons from Carlton. Um, played a nice start, or good game uh, all round for him. 
Um, Burgess in the first quarter uh, for Gold Coast started like a house on fire, kicked a couple of goals um, down there, down forward, and he could, uh, or he's looking likely to be that Lynch replacement, which we, which they need up front. Um, Will Hayes from the Western Bulldogs, uh, he was blowing a bit hard in the in the first half there, but he acquitted himself really well, and um, he was running up and down the wings nicely, and I think he'll be around about the mark for round one as well. I've got him on my bench at the moment. And the last one there, Matt Parker from St Kilda. Now, took him a bit to get into the game, but the good thing about him, I think he played a really high percentage of time on ground from memory. I think it was 98 or... 99% time on ground, so he basically didn't come off the whole game. Didn't get a whole lot of the ball, got better as the game wore on, but he did have a lot of pressure acts during the game. I think I read somewhere it's 32 or 33 pressure acts during the game, so expect him to be there in round one as that, as that uh, forward who's, who's applying pressure inside the 50. I, I like the looks of him. So the next group I want to talk about is the mid-prices who have tempted us all pre-season and things didn't change over the JLT week one where a lot of them did perform and a lot of them will be finding their way into coaches' teams at the moment and tempting us to keep them there. It's going to depend a lot on how they go next week as well. But the first one I want to talk about is Nick Newman and I've been a big advocate for this guy since the very start and I've had him in my team from the start as well. But he performed basically the role that I thought he was going to at Carlton, given the opportunity. He ended up with 20 disposals, 8 marks, 4 tackles, and 97 fantasy points in 87% time on ground. He basically played that uh, switch role perfectly for Carlton, which uh, they've used Simpson in the past for. And as a consequence, which I'll talk about later, Simpson did suffer a bit with his role. So Newman took a lot of his points as I witnessed uh, that game. And look, basically I'm looking at him as, as top six defender material still at the moment. He looked really good out there. Uh, the next one I also liked was Dylan Roberton of St Kilda, the uh, comeback man in his uh, first, I guess, official game back from that heart scare he had last season. And he ended up with 21 touches, eight marks, just the one tackle, but 87 fantasy points. And he looked really comfortable out there after half time. He, he was a bit slow to start off in the first half, but he got things going. And surprisingly, by the end of it, when I looked at his stats, yeah, those eight marks, which were most of them uncontested, um, was what, what the role he was doing um, in 2017 for St Kilda as well. So 81% um, game time. Didn't really miss a beat. Uncontested possession. He's huge value at 537k for a bloke that can potentially average 90 as well. And you can sit him there for the year and he'll make you a bit of money. He'll tick over the 600, 630, 640k if he keeps that sort of form up. And if you want to, by the season's end, uh, you can upgrade him to a real primo. Um, who's going to pump out, you know, big hundreds, your Lairds and, and Lloyds and those types. So he's he's not going to give you a heap of hundred scores, but he's really consistent, we've seen in the past. So um, he also has Gold Coast in in round one, which is a, a nice little tempter as well. So he could go, he could actually push the ton in that game. 
Um, he's a serious watch for me, Roberton. Uh, the third one I liked as well, which a lot of other fantasy coaches talked about also, was Brody Smith. And he ended up with 27 possessions, five marks. Didn't have any tackles, but ended up with 89 fantasy points from 70% time on ground. So that's not the usual time on ground he'd get. He'd probably get more more towards the 80, 82% time on ground in a real game. But uh, he was rebounding off uh, the half-back line nicely, pushing up onto the wing. He was on fire early. I think he had about seven possessions in the first five minutes, uh, which got him off to a good start. I'm not 100% sold on him at the moment, um, simply because he's not going to average 27 touches a game, in my opinion. He, he hasn't in the past, and um, I don't think he will now, being the age that he is. But it's hard to ignore the price that he's at. Um, he's going to make money regardless, uh, similar to your, uh, to Zach Williams sort of thing. So if he's fit and firing, um, which he looks like he is, he's going to make you money at the least. But I think with the structures we've got in defense at the moment, most coaches are only going to be able to fit either him or Zach Williams in. Um, it's either that or you're going to have to take out uh, one of your real premiums um, out of there. So he's, I'm not still completely sold on him. It was against a really weak Port Adelaide team that he's done this on. So I see him more of a super coach type player rather than fantasy, but he's still going to make you money if he's, if he's on the field, basically. So I'm still going to have a look at him. But it, with my structure at the moment, I'm on I'm on the Zach Williams train at the moment. Uh, the fourth one there, another Adelaide player, and it's really good to see uh, this guy out there now, Brad Crouch. Um, you know he he was a big favourite um, a couple of years back when he was dominating with his brother there. He's averaged over a ton in in the past, and he looked really good out there on the weekend. Twenty nine disposals, uh, five marks, five tackles, hundred and fourteen fantasy points from just 75% game time. That's not too far off what he'll probably get during the season with the amount of midfielders Adelaide's got in the team at the moment, especially, I guess, contested ball winners as well. You know, Matt Crouch, uh, Sloan, they're all contested ball winners, so they're not lacking in that category, um, and Crouch compliments them, I guess. Uh, Got better as the game went on. Uh, He's looking fit. He's basically a lock if, you know, if, Nothing happens between now and round one. You've got to have him at, I think he's 530 or 560,000 or something like that. Like, you know, he, he can potentially go 100 average again. He's still only very young um, in comparison. So, look, as, as long as, you know, everything's ticking along nicely, uh, he is going to have a high ownership now though after this week so just be aware of that he's not going to be a point of difference um but m5 potentially m4 depending on what your structure looks like he can uh definitely fill that void so um i'm leaning towards having him at the moment now just after that performance on the weekend and the last one i want to talk about for the mid prices is dom tyson fresh over from melbourne now at north melbourne and he ended up with 26 disposals, uh, four marks, seven tackles, which was nice, and 105 fantasy points from just 66% time on ground. Now, that's 
probably a whole lot less than what he's going to get during the season. You'd expect him to push around the 78 to 82% time on ground. There was really only uh, Ben Cunnington missing from that midfield on the weekend. You'd probably argue Jen, Jed Anderson as well. But he played the inside mid-role really nicely and it's probably going to allow a bloke like Sean Higgins to get more outside ball. So I think it's going to benefit him big time, which means I think Tyson's going to be a big part of the North Melbourne midfield in 2019. Um, look, I think he can go a 95 to 100 average as long as he's on the park this year. And again, at the price that he is, he's a bargain. But with our structures, I think you can only fit one, maybe two of these guys in around that price. And North Melbourne haven't been a super fantasy-friendly type of team. Um, so, yeah, if you're tossing up between maybe him and Crouch, for example, you're obviously probably going to go or lean towards Crouch, even though Tyson's probably got the consistency on his side in terms of injury. So there's a couple of things to weigh up there. I like Crouch better, but Tyson would also be a nice fit as well if you're looking for that sort of uh, mid-price so that can push up into uh, a premium-type average. Um, the last few that I want to talk about here, uh, the other notables in the mid-price category, there's a whole list of them, so I'm just going to read them out. Uh, Annie McGrath looked good for Essendon. Liberatore looked fit. Um, he really got into the game in the second quarter onwards. Dom Sheed, as we know, he's been tempting us uh, to push into the elite bracket for a couple of years now. He was outstanding for West Coast on the weekend. Brandon Parfit is an interesting one as a forward, potentially. So he's coming into his breakout year now, and he looked really good for Geelong on the weekend, playing that uh, mid-forward role which he has done in the past, but he's looking to push his average up a little more this year. Uh, Wayne Malera, um, sorry, Millera, um, he was, I guess, uh, the main guy coming out of defense for Adelaide, um, which I saw in that game. They looked to get the ball to him uh, more so than uh, Laird and uh, even uh, even Smith. So he's, he's really good by foot. Miller, um, I like him as a as a mid pricer um, around there. Probably won't pick him. I don't have the guts to pick him, but um, I do like the looks of him, and he could push that eighty five to ninety average as well this year. Uh, Cousins, so from Hawthorne, he was outstanding as well, and he's looking like the front runner for that uh, Tom Mitchell role in the midfield. There, he's probably going to get first crack at it above those other couple of rookies that I talked about earlier because, uh, look, he's got the runs on the board in the VFL. Uh, Warple, he stood up more than, more so than what I thought he was going to as well through the midfield. Um, he played a really good game and he's no doubt going to um, push his average up 80-plus this year and because you can select him as a forward, he will be a nice He'll be a nice pick for those who are getting him. Probably not a point of difference anymore. He's, had, he's been talked about quite a lot. Christian Salem was good for Melbourne. The only query about him is his, is his consistency over the years since he's been in, but he was nice. I think he scored about 108, um, but everyone scored well in that Demons team on the weekend, uh, including the next bloke, Petraka. Um, the only worry about Petraka is obviously his, is his midfield time, so they've got a stacked midfield there, Melbourne, so 
he's just going to float through the midfield a lot of the time. And um, but he is pretty consistent. So as a forward, he he's you know a justifiable pick. Um, potentially an eighty-five to ninety average as well. And obviously uh, Zach Williams for for the Giants. He looked um, really comfortable out there, also, and is my number one uh, mid pricer uh, in the back line. Okay, so I'm going to move on now with a few of the elites that showed us why we're paying the big bucks for them uh, again in 2019. And these guys, I guess, get it done year in, year out, but we just like to be assured that they are still performing their role their fantasy-friendly role. And the first one I want to talk about is Gus Brayshaw for Melbourne. He was absolutely sensational on the weekend. He ended up with 37 disposals, 11 marks, four tackles, and 150 fantasy points. He absolutely killed him on the weekend in just 69% time on ground. Look, um, he's really benefiting from the new rules, I think. So on the weekend, he found a lot of space um, as well and was just taking uncontested mark after uncontested mark. So he's racking up those plus sixes. It was a close game against Richmond. You know, Melbourne lost, and usually in these GLC games, they're blowouts where these big scores happen. But um, both him and Oliver absolutely dominated, and both of them are coming off uh, interrupted pre-seasons as well. Oliver, Oliver probably more so, but... You know, Brett Brayshaw was in the in the rehab group for a long time there, and he's come out and done that. So his uh, ownership is no doubt going to skyrocket after that performance. There was no Viney. Uh, that was probably the only notable one, I guess. Um, but he's really going to push 115-plus average this year, Brayshaw, because he's got a really high ceiling. So I like the looks of him. Um, the next one there, I'm going to put these two into the into the one category is uh Caniglio and Taranto. They scored 147 and 140 fantasy points respectively there. Both had 30 plus disposals. Both absolutely filled the stat sheet. Um look, they did dominate a I guess you'd call it a limp Swans midfield uh there that there wasn't much resistance from the Swans midfield which is, you know, doesn't give us much to go by, but Taranto is looking like that breakout must-have. There's always, you know, two or three of these young blokes, you know, these midfield young fellas that are, are going to are going to break out. There's always two or three, and he is looking like the most likely. You know, you've got him, you've got Fiorini, you've got Hopper, um, which missed on the weekend as well. I want to have a good look at him, but... You know, Taranto is looking very, very likely. Everything is pointing towards a breakout for him. So at 660K, I think he is, um, you know, you are paying a little bit more, but you might be paying a little bit more for that assurity that he is going to break out for 100 plus average. So yeah, he looked really good. Um, I still want to see him with Kelly and the team, hopefully next week, because that's always been the worry. Last year it was happening. Every time Kelly came back into the team, Taranto would get pushed out. But um, this year, obviously, no no Dylan Shield. There's more of a chunk of midfield there for Taranto to see. So I'll have a look at him with Kelly next week. If he's still doing the same thing, um, yeah, he's potentially a lock, I think. 
Um, Cripps is my number three. He looked uh, untaggable as always. Uh, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, one of the few that I think is an untaggable type player in the game. He ended up with 33 disposals, five marks, three tackles, uh, 115 fantasy points from 86% time on ground. Uh, he went forward at times, which could be a worry, but at the same time, he's kicking goals. You know, he's going to kick two or three when he goes forward. So, look, see it as a positive, I guess. Um, when he's in the midfield, there's no one that can match up on him. You know, he's he's just moving around in that midfield, you know, big body, pushing blokes off the ball, and then he's moving around the ground. He's taking marks above his head like a, you know, a centre-half forward, basically. So... As long as he's fit and firing on the field, I still don't like that taped up knee that he's got. It just worries me every time I see it out there on the ground. I just feel he's going to break down, but he, he never does. He never seems to break down. Um, but yeah, I, I I want to try and fit him into my team. Uh, the only issue I had was Carlton, obviously, as a team, uh, you know, they're not. They're not going to be in the top eight. Let's let's face it. But they're they're building towards it, and they did look okay uh, against Essendon on the weekend. So I think um, I think Walsh did help that cause and did give uh, a bloke like Cripps a bit of a chop out as well. Gave him a bit of help in the middle, which which is what he's been uh, which is what <clears throat> what he's been needing uh, the last couple of years. I think. Uh, my fourth one there is, or that I like as, or I liked as an elite, um, and will be an elite again, is Rory Laird. He got the job done. 28 disposals, nine marks, three tackles, 114 fantasy points from 80% time on ground. He was basically all business. Uh, Rory did what he pleased out there. You know, he rebounded. He linked up between uh, the back back 50, forward 50, and he's a sure thing basically uh, as a top three defender again this year so if you can fork out enough for him to get him back there and and he fits your structure look just just lock him in from the start because you're going to want him by the end of the year but uh you know let's face it so you know he he looked really good on the weekend and my last one was uh mccray at the bulldogs so you know this guy's Backed it up again um, from his huge season last year. 40 disposals, three marks, seven tackles, 131 fantasy points, 88% time on ground. Um, Didn't look like he got out of second gear just watching him roll around out there. The thing is, you know, there was it it was Gold Coast. There was no tag. Um, Him and Hunter seemed to link up a lot. I I watched out there, so. yeah, I think they like padding their padding their stats a bit. Those two, but you know, he's he's going to be a top five midfielder at the very least again, if not, you know, pushing number one uh, with no with no Tom Mitchell out there this year. So he had seven clearances as well. Um, yeah, and the the little worry about ha- having Liberatore come back and affect his game was basically. Uh, you know, totally irrelevant. So, Liver got the ball himself and was was contested, and uh, McRae did the damage on the outside and on the inside as well. So he's he's really basically made himself an all round player, uh, McRae, and he's looking 
had another big season, I think. The only issue is obviously his price, um, whether you're willing to fork out that money and just lock him in as, as captain each week or, you know, whether you potentially wait for uh, for one bad game or, or an injury, you know, heaven forbid. But, um, yeah, you, you're going to get what you paid for with with, with him. Um the the other the other few elites that I also like the look of was was Lockie Neal. He performed how we thought he would um, at Brisbane. There, he had a really good game. Didn't have any worries finding the ball at all. Um, along with Lyons as well, helping out in the middle. Uh, Lockie Hunter linking up with McRae, as I just said, he was really and and he could be a nice uh, point of difference as well. I can bet his his ownership will be really low. Um, Oliver, as I touched on with Brayshaw. Look, the goods after uh, I think it was a double uh, double shoulder surgery uh, over the preseason. You know he's still got upside. He's still young enough to push his average up again this year. So I think he averaged 109 last year. He can easily go 112, 115 by the looks of what he was doing out there. And um, the last one as well, Lloyd. Also, he can basically echo the same statement for for what for what Rory Led was doing out there for Adelaide. Um, Lloyd's, you know, taking kick-ins, taking uncontested marks, and like Laird, is probably going to be another top three defender come the end of the season. Okay, and the final category I want to talk about are the players we're going to give a second thought to at the moment. These guys, we maybe had them in our teams, and they were probably definitely on our watch list, but after uh, the weekend's efforts, we're uh, just scratching our heads as to what happened and perhaps they weren't as big of a lock as what we thought in the first place. So my first one is Callum Mills from Sydney and he ended up with 18 disposals, 3 marks, 7 tackles and 83 fantasy points from just 73% time on ground, which is probably a little bit down on what he would usually get. But he did play big midfield minutes um, and was there for a lot of the centre bounces. So it's not what we wanted from Mills. Probably wanted a bit more. But then again, you know, the highest score for Sydney on the weekend was 105 from, from Heaney. So um, they did uh, look a little bit limp, Sydney, and that could be a concern for the whole year. You know, Sydney might not be what they were uh, last year and, and years gone by. So uh, their fantasy game might struggle overall as a team. I haven't written him off completely yet. They've got... Gold Coast next week, which will probably tell us a bit more. And if he does get those midfield minutes again, he should do a lot better, I think, uh, against potentially a weaker team. So um, Callum Mills, still on my watch list. But, um, you know, if he does something similar again, um, you know, probably probably put a strike through him um, as there are some better options around that same price tag. Uh, number two that I'm giving a second thought to is Josh Dunkley of the Bulldogs. He ended up with 18 disposals, one mark, five tackles and 60 AFL fantasy points off 80% game time. Uh, the worry here is what we were all thinking, I think, was the Liberatore effect coming back into the midfield. Liber had a great game. Dunkley did not. He's sort of been pushed back to that forward mid-roll 
he played a few more midfield minutes in the second half, but it's looking likely he's going to take on that role that he started with in 2018, which uh, didn't give us a whole lot of confidence. And yeah, he can be prone to those scores of 60 if he's playing that role. So he looked a little bit lost at times. He only had the one clearance and yeah, the, the role is a worry. So at the moment, he's struck off my list. Uh, just because basically he's, he's not looking likely to get that midfield time like he did last year anyway. So that might change next week. Um, but at, at the price that he is, um, again, there's probably more certain, uh, I guess, players that are a little more certain in their role. Um, and I like the look of at the moment in that forward line position. Uh, the third one there is... Dane Zorko. Now, at Brisbane, we thought he was going to get a little bit more help from uh, Lockie Neal and Jared Lyons, which he did. But he ended up with 20 disposals, two marks, uh, four tackles, and 80 fantasy points off 77% time on ground, which really leaves him no excuse there for uh, that score. I guess uh, Neal and Lyons took the lion's share of the possessions uh, in a game which was was a low fantasy scoring game anyway, but did end up with five clearances, which is positive there. And uh, you know there was no there was no real tag, no one tags in JLT anyway, which has been his worry in the past that he gets tagged and can't score. But you know there, there was none of that on the weekend, and at times he was moved forward as a as a bit of a spark up forward for Brisbane. So they might be thinking that again this year as they get a few more of those young fellas pushing into the midfield. Uh, Hugh McGluggage uh, rolled through there for a bit, and he played really well. And also Jared Berry looked looked excellent in the first half also. So they might be thinking about uh, pushing Zorko, you know, forward more often at times, maybe to shake the tag or just to give him a bit of a spark in the forward line, which they're kind of missing out on at the moment. Uh, the fourth one there is, and th- this one, you know, hits pretty close to home is uh, Seb Ross because I've got him on my team at the moment and I wanted him to do a little bit better than this. I I like uh, like the fact that he averaged 126 in his last six games last season and I thought he was going to be a nice point of difference. But, you know, 78 fantasy points on the weekend from 76% time on ground, which is, you know, probably down a little bit on what he usually would score. Um, or oh, sorry, on what he would usually uh, average in terms of percentage time on ground. He's usually up around the 80-85%. So 23 possessions, four marks, three tackles. Uh, he played his usual role inside mid, had five clearances. Um, you know, they got the dogs next week. I'll give him another chance. I'm not giving him the flick, obviously, yet. I'll leave him in there for the moment. Uh, but at his price, um, he'll want to show me a little bit more next week to keep him in there. So, uh, fingers crossed. And my fifth one is Tim Kelly. Now, Tim Kelly, he's um, been floated around by a few fantasy coaches as potentially an alternative that's a lot cheaper to Sam Menangola because there's a lot of Geelong uh, players in that forward line that we can stack up in there. You've got Menangola, you've got Kelly. Uh, potentially Dalhouse if you want to go a bit cheaper, Dangerfield. 
and now uh, Brandon Parfitt's on the scene as well. So, you know, there's a oh, and you know also later on in the season, Ablett, you know, he's going to play that forward role so he could get dual position. So Tim Kelly was going to be that slightly cheaper option that we were we were looking at, and he certainly underperformed. He only had the 13 touches, three marks, four tackles, uh, and 53 fantasy points, and he played 83% time on ground. So that is a little bit disappointing, um, having plenty of time on ground there. He played his usual wing role, you know, that link role between uh, defense and uh, and the forward 50. Uh, he had Gaff as an opponent for a bit as well, which might have run him a bit ragged. Um, but he is prone to the odd bad one as well. He does have a low uh, a low basement there. So uh, that could just be the case. Uh, they got Essendon on Thursday coming up uh, in the next round. So I'd like to see him again. He's 630k though. So um, just having a look at you know players that are around that similar sort of price range. You got you got a bloke like like Jack Billings who played really well for Saints on the weekend as well. So you know if I was tossing up between those two, I'd probably lean towards Billings at the moment. Um, you know Tim Kelly has been in and out of my team personally, but um, you know uh, fifty three. You might you might just be better off you know paying up and going to going to a Menegola who still has a really low ownership of uh, under three percent at the moment so it might be better you know getting the consistency of Menegola and just biting the bullet and, and having him in there instead um, and I'm going to put one more in here uh, number six uh, just because uh, we touched on him before is Cade Simpson so 14 possessions, 5 marks, 0 tackles, and 55 fantasy points of 87% time on ground. So he had a huge chunk of playing time there for the Blues. And he's had uh, the Newman effect on him. So Newman possibly taking a few more points off him this year. He does depend a lot on his plus sixes, Simpson. So if he's not taking those easy uncontested marks, and if he's not the man getting the switch play, which that's what Newman was doing, then he's not scoring because he doesn't really tackle, um, you know, and he he needs those uncontested possessions. So if that's going to happen, you're going to see uh, the consistency drop off Simpson and he's going to possibly put out a few 50 and 60 scores during the year. So it might be a case of plateau or decline for him uh, this year, Simpson. And it might just be a case that he played with no long sleeves. So, um, yeah, they've got the pies on Monday anyway. So that'll give us another look uh, at Simpson and see exactly uh, what his role's like with, uh, with Newman in the team, hopefully. And that's the first week of the JLT wrapped. Keep in mind, there's still one game on today that I was unable to go through. Uh, that being the Frio versus Pines match. And there are a few in that game that I've got my eyes on. Uh, some of them I'll just go through quickly. Uh, Griff Logue looks good as a 216k defender. You know, uh, he, he, was a, um, he was a number eight draft pick uh, a few years back. So he's, he's had a good preseason apparently. I want to take a good look at him. Uh, Michael Walters, I want to see what type of mid-time he gets in place of uh, Neil not being there, and also ditto for uh, Langdon as well. I want to see what sort of mid-time he can get as well uh, today in the game. 
uh, Isaac Quainer, Quainer, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, for Collingwood. I want to see if he can fit possibly in the back six. And obviously um, looking forward to seeing Beams in his first game back in black and white as well. And just seeing uh, if he sort of takes that Taylor Adams role um, today and um, gets a little bit more mid-time than what we were expecting because we were expecting him to push forward a fair bit as well this year. But with Adams out for, you know, 8 to 12 weeks, I think it was, they might opt to have him more as a permanent midfielder. So that'll be interesting. And I also want to have a look at, um, at Rupert Wills as well. So he was named in the midfield there. And I remember him a few years back. It might be three or four years ago now. Um, he is an absolutely gun of a tackler and he can rack up big numbers in the tackles. So he's at 170K and he's an experienced body as well. So... You know, you never know. They might uh, throw him a line there and uh, get him in for round one to fill the Adams void. But then again, they do have a lot of midfielders, Collingwood. So, um, But I'm keen to see him and see if he's uh, still tackling the house down. It's a bit of a shame that, that Bewley wasn't um, named in this one. He's been named as an emergency, along with Schultz as well for Frio. So I did want to have a look at those two. I had them on my radar um, as rookies. Uh, but hopefully they get a run next game, um, as a lot of coaches uh, had them penciled in uh, in the midfield at uh, at uh, basement price, 170k options. Remember to check out the site at fanpod40.com if you haven't done so already, uh, where we've got the rest of our AFL fantasy preseason episodes, which we've put together to help out coaches before round one kicks off this year. And you can also send us any fantasy-related questions you might have on Twitter with the handle at FanPod40. We're also happy to give feedback on your teams and JLT game thoughts. In the next episode, we'll do it all over again and give a full wrap-up of the second week of the JLT series, where no doubt more questions will be raised about our players. Usually it's the second week where we get to see more stability in the players that are named, although coaches will still be wary of the time on ground their stars are getting. But if a few rookies get to play in both games, it's usually a pretty good sign that they'll be there in round one. Thanks again for listening, coaches, and remember to stay strong and back your research.